That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Tube Night, our generic TV show podcast. We're two TV show enthusiasts with no background or training in TV and film, but we love watching shows and then talking about shows while laughing at our own jokes. This season, we're watching Star Trek, the original series, which I have seen before. And I haven't. And this week, we watched episode six, The Enemy Within. And yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, an, it's a gross enemy. It's a yeah, pretty gross enemy. It's pretty and bad. Yeah, I, I will, I guess, jump the gun a little bit and summarize some thoughts my co-host and I have had. Yeah. and shared while watching the episode mm-hmm. we're not super pumped about talking about this particular episode no. we didn't love it i guess to put it mildly and <laughs> we'll find out as as we go through this process of recording it if this means we'll talk not much about it or you know go down some ranty rabbit holes and yeah. this ends up being super long so i guess we'll see we'll see how it goes because we'll you know editing is for people who aren't us <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah um, as an I, intro this was also tv 14 for yep. sex and fear and the sex part more obvious i think yep. for this particular episode but then we were also theorizing that maybe we you know, mistakenly assumed that that was unique to episodes in our previous recording. Yeah. And this may just be a general rating for the entire show and that this doesn't maybe doesn't need to be talked about as much as we've chosen to talk about it so far. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Perhaps the TV 14 sex and fear rating is actually just for the series in general, not for individual episodes. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I would like to see specific instances of you know, things that require that TV rating personally as a consumer of yeah. content. I would like to see, you know, clear data supporting the claim, essentially. Yeah. Um, well, and like we talked about this a little bit earlier, um, the the episodes that we have seen so far, there has been some violence yes. where, like I'm, I'm thinking specifically of, of Spock assaulting Mrs. Crater, Nancy, um it's pretty oh, violent <laughs> uh, yeah I, I just remember that standing out because he goes at her with the two hands fisted to, which is like the odd honestly the weirdest um way to punch somebody um, yeah but there you go 1960 television. twice the speed twice the impact <laughs> right yeah and and like spock is just like could nancy do this and then he like beats the shit out of her um and so that's pretty violent and yet i we haven't seen any ratings for for violence like it's specifically for sex and fear at least for this episode which also has some violence in it mm-hmm. um so yeah so we have lots of questions about this tv 14 rating obviously we're getting a bit hung up um but uh how should we put this the sex part of this rating kind of comes to play here i would say um i think also it's worth prefacing our discussion of, of this episode with a mm-hmm. bit of a disclaimer of I think in the previous episodes that we've done we've tried to make a good faith effort in contextualizing the episode mm-hmm. and understanding that like our 21st century 2021 sensibilities don't always apply to an episode that came out in 1966 
um we're not really going to make much of an effort i think in this no. episode to hold back just because straight up it's about gender and assault and sexism and rape culture blah 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 and i think for us as two women so much of that still exists that it's really impossible to be like oh well yeah. it's the 60s we can let it go like no we can't let it go yeah. sorry <laughs> like if i were to if i were to make any comment i think on the sort of time and sensibilities aspect of it the only thing i'll say right now is that it not being acknowledged in the way you and i want it to be over the course of this episode is essentially a reflection of the problem and not like in several other I, I don't know how to say this properly but basically with a lot of other things that you know you mentioned star trek is considered quite progressive for race and culture and nationality and a lot of these things that were at the time bigger or like worse issues i wouldn't say anything has been fully solved today obviously but mm. you know we're in a better place in a lot of senses from the sense of like our collective awareness, not necessarily that the issue has been completely resolved, but with, when it comes to, you know, gender and power and those kinds of things, we're pretty much in the same place in time as where this show is, is, yeah. is how I feel. So you can't, you can't even make an allowance for it being in the sixties versus 2021 because- right it doesn't feel like enough has changed for us to yeah. be like, well, we're here now and they were there then, but like now is exactly like then in a lot of ways, Yeah. except we maybe talk about it a little bit more explicitly and the show doesn't shy away from it. So it doesn't feel like they didn't talk about it. It was just another yeah. one of those things where you talk into a void and nothing really comes of it. Right. Yeah. Um, like we've talked about how Uhura as a black woman being an officer on the bridge Mm -hmm. um is supposed to be really notable for a tv series coming out in 1966 mm -hmm. sulu as a japanese man um within you know 20 years of the world war ii conflict where japan was the enemy you know that's big for him to be also a you know a named reoccurring character um we haven't seen Chekhov yet but when we do he's russian and the show came out during the cold war um so that's a big thing but um the handling of of gender and power relations is, is not, <laughs> I don't think it's it's really groundbreaking. I think it's status quo. And unfortunately the status quo is still the status quo today. A lot of mm -hmm. the things that we saw in the episode today, we still see in TV mm -hmm. shows today. And I think that's also what just like grinds our gears a little bit is like the representation that's in Star Trek was novel at the time. And I think set the stage for a lot of the representation that we see in TV shows now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something absolutely worth celebrating. But when a female officer is sexually assaulted and there isn't really an acknowledgement or an apology or really anything, there's no um, consequence. There's no consequence here. And and that just feels all too familiar, I think. So yeah, yeah. okay. And 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 I think the other the last thing I really just want to say as yeah. sort of like a preface to everything is more that even if and this might just be my thought, but even if you know there wasn't the consequence we wish there were, but that particular instance, the sexual assault, was more 
central to the plot of the episode or more of a thing rather than sort of a means to an end, which in this case is a means to show that there's apparently a good and evil side in all of us. Like the assault itself was a non-event in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it became like the moral quandary of this episode without a satisfying resolution, but actually acknowledged as like an issue, mm-hmm. I may have been okay. But I think in addition to the fact that, you know, nothing is really acknowledged or nothing really comes of it. It's also just kind of like, an an event in the series of events with no big deal kind of yeah it just doesn't seem to matter right it's just like something that's the the plot line is kirk and then this is a way to basically character build kirk essentially rather than you know this could because being an episode in and of itself you have a ship you have you know hundreds of crew members you have politics within the ship you have yeah the equivalence of a monarchy almost, right? You have yep, your totally. officers, your ranking officers, your named characters, you have your captain. Captain sort of has the final say on most things. Yep. And the captain and his power is touched on in quite a few spots in this episode. Yep. And in the context of that, if you have sexual assault, especially being perpetrated by someone who is in the highest position of power, mm-hmm. that can be an episode. That in and of right. itself yep. is worthy of an entire episode, in my opinion, because yep. there is a moral quandary there it's not necessarily related to space per se, which maybe takes away from the value or or sorry, the the premise of the show, but you know, you can, you can explore that and it doesn't have to come to a, here is maybe where I can make the allowance for the time it's set in where it doesn't have to come to a resolution that would be a hundred percent satisfying to us because at least it's being addressed as a as an issue in and of itself, right? Where you acknowledge what contributes to it and power is such a huge part of it. Yeah. But the fact right. that it was like a side plot almost yeah. is, is also irritating to me, I think. Totally. Um, without directly acknowledging the seriousness of the crime that happens, the crime is essentially gratuitous um, mm-hmm. and therefore incredibly disrespectful to, <laughs> to people who have actually gone through it. It's just a plot point. It's just a device to... Um, you know, it's kind of like fridging, fridging, mm-hmm. where the primary motivation of a male character is a dead woman. Great, mm-hmm. like, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it would be great if, like, we could, you know, women could be the primary characters, and our deaths aren't used as motivation for male characters to go on like vengeful killing sprees or anything. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So I guess if we were to get into the plot (laughs) to explain where this frustration actually stems from. We open on the crew being on a planet that, you know, Sulu (laughs) in a very British way describes as being nippy, um, which is an understatement considering how, how cold it is becomes another sort of plot point, but not super critical, but a source of tension essentially later on. And Sulu is hanging out with a fluff, what I call a fluffy unicorn dog, which is a creature with horns and antenna and stuff. And it's adorable. Her, it's super cute. I really liked it. And <laughs> I wish like the this one, character played a bigger role in this right? episode. <laughs> it's the one redeeming part of the episode. And spoiler alert, he doesn't he make it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which says yeah. a lot. I think like maybe that just kind of sums up the episode right there. No. But you know what? Like also, while I guess we're shitting all over this episode, 
this could also have been a plot point when you know you're talking totally. about the transporter malfunctioning and the issues yep. it's causing and testing solutions this is animal testing how exactly. is that not a plot point and like yeah. not just any old animal that you know exists in abundance but a creature that's like non-earth based yeah well we don't know if it's rare we, we have no knowledge say, like, what if it was rare like <laughs> we have no knowledge if this is someone's pet we have no yeah. knowledge of if this is something that came to the planet on the ship or existed mm -hmm. on the planet to begin with yeah but like you know you're basically sacrificing the species because kirk matters and captain matters and you know you're dealing with a problem right and humans matter and this creature is sort of your test subject and yeah. that could have been an episode that could totally. have been an episode right there and yeah. i would happily watch the you know the enemy within the unicorn dog happily yes. would have watched this totally um but anyway so oh. sulu's hanging out with this unicorn dog and kirk and there's like i think like apart from sulu and kirk there's another four people on the planet yeah um and they're, I don't know, investigating something. It's like a geological survey, I think, of some yeah. sort. And it sounds like they're things. just, yeah, they're down there doing geological stuff, collecting samples. Sulu mm -hmm. has his new pet animal um, that he's just carrying around. Honestly, like, I love it. It's a dog in a suit, right? So the dog's mm -hmm. just like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm it's like a the suit, purse. It's like a dog one. that sits in the purse of a, of a super sort of, you know, stylish or wealthy person who yeah. can't bear to be parting with their pet yeah it's such a good um, yeah. featured dog <laughs> it's it's super cute and you know like my favorite part of the episode like you were saying earlier but yeah so one of the geological techs whose name i think is fisher mm -hmm. um screams in pain and kirk goes to him and it turns out he's fallen off a rock and somehow hurt himself and his blue jumpsuit is stained yellow like paint splatters almost mm -hmm. and he's hurt so kirk tells him to go back on the ship and he gets beamed back onto this on the ship but there's obviously a problem so mm -hmm. there's like this little red light on the dashboard that starts blinking i don't know exactly what scotty said but the subtitles told me it was a cadular issue whatever that yeah, is yeah i heard that too <laughs> um yeah who knows there's an issue <laughs> space check <laughs> and eventually you have fisher beam back onto the ship but it takes a few seconds but he's on and the yellow splatter on him is problematic and scotty runs some megaphony looking piece of equipment all over him and says there's some magnetic ore residue or something for that effect and that that is problematic and he's like go decontaminate your uniform which <laughs> don't, yeah. don't worry about decontaminating yourself you don't matter you i mean you have an open wound that you have probably scraped open on this or, mineral yeah. magnetic dust cliff so you're probably hella contaminated but don't worry about that it's your clothes you yeah. go throw your clothes in the laundry totally and like <laughs> we don't ever really get further um information about what this ore was or how exactly it caused an issue beyond if it was magnetic it just sort of scrambled it's, the tech in yeah, some it way fucked with the transporter yeah and that's all we and that's all we do know like they're not going to tell us yeah. any further than that but yeah so it's done something and then scotty's sort of like a little taken aback but then he believes it's okay he does another test and it's like it's fine um mm. and then beams um kirk back onto the ship and when Kirk comes onto the ship, he seems very disoriented and dizzy and just generally not well. Not well. Yes. He's not well. No, no he yeah. isn't. And um, Scotty like takes him towards the med bay and Kirk specifically is like, don't leave the transporter room unattended, which I don't know if this is just standard protocol or if Kirk's suspecting something's up, 
But Scotty's like, yeah, somebody else will be here. And he pieces out like immediately. Yeah. I, I noticed that too when Kirk is like, don't leave it unattended. And I kind of wondered for a second as well, like, is this just like mm-hmm. protocol or what's going on? But then I remembered, you know, there still are a couple of people like Sulu and the rest of the geological team that need to be down there. Back, yeah. Right. And so, you know, like somebody needs to be on standby ready to beam them up because if um, they stay down there, it's supposed to get down to minus 20 degrees. Scale unknown. I don't think they specify which scale, but hella cold. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to get hella cold tonight and and people aren't going to survive. So somebody needs to be there to beam them up. And uh, and Scotty's like, yeah, yeah, someone will come back. Yeah. And then, of course, whoever that is doesn't come back fast enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, the door closes on the empty transporter room, and then the transporter powers up again, and somebody else beams onto the pad, and it looks awful lot like Kirk, but facing the wrong way. And then you know we we snap in for a close shot, and it's Kirk, and he spins around, but he's got like heavy eye makeup on, mm-hmm. and uh, he's lit from below, and it dark dark dark, yeah. and like something's gone wrong. Yeah. We now have two Kirks, and, and we should be terrified yeah. of this Kirk. And he's not just eyeliner. evil; he looks evil. Yeah, like, he's got this like so. manic face going on like i wouldn't Um, have been surprised if you know there wasn't a need to make it difficult to distinguish him from the other kirk if they would take like an eyeliner pencil and draw on a super thin curly mustachio on his yeah right that's the kind of evil (laughs) he's he's enacting which some quality acting on william shatner's part right there Mm -hmm. um yeah so other kirk is on the ship and very much so done 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 and um this strange alter ego has been created by some sort of transporter malfunction probably and i think this is what yeah. we're hearing in the narrator's um speech to us so yeah. the narrator knows what's going on and tells us what's going on but nobody in the ship knows which is an interesting plot device because i don't know if this is used often prior to this episode I feel like we learn things as they learn things. At the same time. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, it's funny because the voiceover does seem to be Kurt. past tense-ish. Yeah, like I think in previous episodes, it has been framed as if Kirk is relating the story at like what happened, not as it happens. But this feels, yeah, we're getting a bit more information than I think we usually get. Yeah, which I'm not like complaining about, but it was just interesting. No. Yeah, totally. And this this evil duplicate Kirk is, I think, fondling the transporter button. He is um, quite <laughs> it's, affectionately. It's too funny. Yeah. He like drapes himself over the console. Yeah. And he's like, but he doesn't say it, but that's all written all over his face. <laughs> Actually, I meant to ask you. I forgot to ask a couple of seconds ago. Yeah. I guess how did evil Kirk beam on? Like, can it be done one sided? Like, does does somebody not need to be? Like, you know, we just had Kirk say, don't leave the room unattended. Oh, right. Does it, don't you need yeah. someone to do the beaming? Yeah, that's a good point. There's nobody there doing the the beaming, as in, like, Scotty isn't there sliding the sliders mm-hmm. up and pushing buttons. And, and Is it just because it's, like, the leftovers of what's already being beamed yeah. on, just lagging behind by a few seconds, I guess? Right. Like, we don't really get a clear explanation of what's happening there, but I guess it's, you know, implied that it's... um it's the malfunction right. somehow that um yeah I'm, I feel I'm like in, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think in future
future episodes we get a bit more about yeah. transporter rules but in this one i mean yeah i think i think it's just implied that like the transporter is malfunctioned and this is what happens you don't need scotty there anymore yeah evil kirk will enter of his own volition <laughs> he will you know tiptoe around and dance like a mime on you know a theater production of something where you have this like what's the evil there, there's got to be a word for a sprite and imp is like you know tiptoeing yeah. around in the background in a black leotard totally. is what i'm picturing like yeah causing mayhem and mischief um but anyway so the duplicates fondling the transporter buttons and some other crew member who i don't know names yet i don't recognize them by their shirts yet either but somebody comes back and asks him if he needs any help and big kirk is not not pleased he looks pretty upset about this and then we seem to immediately sort of uh, swing over to OG Kirk or non-evil Kirk or real <laughs> Kirk or mild Kirk. I, I feel like Whatever. I will use Kirk any, one. any one of these synonyms <laughs> over the course of the episode because they all apply to yeah. the Kirk that beams on first. And uh, Scotty, who walked him out of the room as he was looking a little bit sort of lightheaded, advises him to go to the med bay. And instead, Kirk mm. goes into, I believe, his own quarters, where Janice yeah. happens to hand him something that I missed the name of, but it looked like little sort of floppy disky pieces of plywood yeah. type thing. So I'm guessing some sort of logs. Yeah, manifests. manifests. She's organized the ship manifests. They appear to be all in awesome. order now. Um, yeah, I like they're they look kind of like mm -hmm. little floppy disks. Um, and I think they're supposed to be data storage units like, like external hard drives i guess um, yeah yeah like and that. then um i guess kirk's just tired so he goes to sleep um in the meanwhile yeah. we have mccoy treating the tech who fell off the rock fisher and essentially implies that fisher is just sort of like blowing things out of proportion looking for a vacation and that he has no sympathy yeah. for clumsiness which i was appalled by this like i did not appreciate and yeah. bones is just being an old-fashioned no. man doctor is my opinion here <laughs> totally yeah like very triggered with like i'm not gonna take you seriously you were just digging around and and i mean it's all like it's mm -hmm. very light bones is obviously teasing him but again i feel like we've encountered this sort of dismissive attitude in earnestness enough times that we can't but also like i don't think <laughs> he says laugh. that so he says the looking for a vacation thing to fisher but i think the clumsiness thing is just yeah. like a general comment not it didn't feel as lighthearted as the vacation thing so yeah well but like kirk has come mm -hmm. in at that point like he's teasing him about a vacation and then kirk comes in and i think that's when kirk demands the brandy right. um and he's super aggressive and bones is like oh shit like what's going on here okay uh, no sympathy for clumsiness. Fisher, mm -hmm. get the fuck out. <laughs> like, I'm putting on my gruff doctor face yeah. because uh, Kirk's here and he's being an ass. And Kirk so, matters the most, just as we learned in this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so fake Kirk or evil Kirk or second Kirk, however you like to think of him, comes into the med bay and is yeah. yelling for some brandy. And he says some specific kind of brandy. So space brandy, I guess. But space brandy. I, don't, I didn't catch what it was but it's space brandy now practically assaults mccoy demanding this yeah grabs him yeah. by the neck and it's just like oh like it's yeah. alarming like watching this episode there's a lot of alarming yeah and that here. this is all the other side or like second kirk right and at this point in the episode yeah. we don't have the hypothesis that we get later in that they're opposites of each other or like they're two halves yeah. of the same whole so yeah. now you know looking back on 
the episode and its contents, knowing that it was supposed to be two parts of the same whole, basically like left unchecked, one half of Kirk is just like absolutely raving mad and violent and aggressive and like he's just sort of playing up good versus evil and how evil has to be 100% evil and you know good has to be 100% good and they don't do it too much but you know this evil Kirk has to be evil in every every action of his there is nothing about him that is anything Mm -hmm. but evil versus with Mm -hmm. good Kirk we get, you know, kindness and empathy for sure, but we also get weakness versus yeah. like with the evil Kirk, there's like nothing else, but he's just angry and mad angry. and aggressive yeah. and violent and impulsive and angry. Yeah, it's, it. yeah, they frame it as a dichotomy and it's kind of interesting because I don't like that dichotomy doesn't really ring with me like it's too it's too simplistic and I don't think we really think of people in that kind of dichotomy anymore I don't know I yeah it was just kind of weird mix of like it's more just like you took out all of the nasty Mm -hmm. anger basically you just take out all all of the the anger and impulse control Mm -hmm. and then Kirk number one nice Kirk first Kirk OG Kirk it's just everything else that's left as opposed to like good yeah work. it's more just like left yeah work. yeah totally <laughs> it's like there's this clear border for how evil kirk will act like if you were to splice a body yeah. in half there's just very clean clean edges for evil kirk yeah. but with other kirk good kirk you have essentially the jaggedy edges that didn't fit into evil kirk so yeah. it's like a little bit of everything which is an interesting yeah. choice like yeah. i'm not to say it's right or wrong but mm-hmm. it's just an interesting choice for the telling of a story like this one which has yeah. promise but maybe isn't handled as i would have liked for it to be handled it's it's handled mm-hmm. horribly let's just we're not even going to couch this as an opinion it's objective no but facts. but even <laughs> even honestly even without the whole janice subplot like i still don't really enjoy how the good versus evil was handled no right no, like it right. takes take the assault out of the equation take the bullshit like handling of physical violence against a woman in a position of you know power disparity whatever take all of that out of the equation yeah. you take that you know subplot out of the equation the rest of the episode with like Spock and McCoy yelling at good Kirk and evil Kirk having this one dimensional you know coal-eyed evilness associated with him yeah. there's there was possibility there that I just don't think was like satisfyingly explored or handled and like I, I wonder if it's just sort of like maybe coming in with really high expectations to the show, knowing how much of a following it has, no many, knowing how many spinoffs there have been, knowing how the first few episodes were handled so beautifully in terms of like there being a moral quandary and it, it sort of either left unresolved or it makes you think or there's no clear sort of right or wrong. Yeah. And you could have done something with this, I think. Not to say I know what that is, like that it does come from a place place of like a little bit of arrogance because I don't have the experience or nobody's going to count on me to propose something alternative, but it just wasn't done well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I feel like you could have taken out the sexual assault and sort of taken the question of like, what do we do with angry Kirk Mm -hmm. a bit further and explored that of like, okay, like you know, he's, he's out of control, but he's still a person. So what do you Mm -hmm. do with violent, crazy people who are all Mm -hmm. over the place? 
um, and a danger to others and potentially themselves. Yeah. Like, well, we there was one point at which Spock, like when they identify its opposite, seems like almost academically like thrilled to study yeah. duality and to study, you know, what makes yeah. a person a person as someone who's only half human, as you remind us multiple times. But anyway, that's that's yeah. sort of, again, deviating from us, just yeah. at least counting the plot of this dumb episode. So yeah, Bones has, oh, uh, Kirk has uh, swigged on a ton of brandy at this point, and he creepily, this is second Kirk, um, creepily and lustily entered uh, Yeoman Janice's quarters, who she continues to be such a strong character, in my opinion. But I mm-hmm. I was a little bit sort of like upset for what she went through in this, not a little bit, a lot, upset for what she went through in this episode. But yeah, so he's entered yeah. Janice's quarters, which are currently empty. And then in the meanwhile, you have Spock going to yeah. um, First Kirk, Real Kirk's cabin, and McCoy has asked for Spock to check on Kirk because of the whole Brandy and practically physically assaulting him situation. And he says that Kirk was acting like a wild man. And um, which again starts to make you think about whether the good Kirk is supposed to be civilized and the wild Kirk or the bad Kirk is supposed to be uncivilized and that's somehow a reflection of how good or bad someone yeah. is. Again, like you can go so deep into how lacking some of these thoughts are. Um, Kirk says Bones is probably pranking Spock and you know he can go let McCoy know that he got him (laughs) he got Spock yeah (laughs) yeah and and Spock just kind of goes along Mm -hmm. with it like okay Mm -hmm. like yeah Mm -hmm. Bones got me I'm gonna go now and uh and then Kirk is somehow called by Scotty down to the engineering room and Scotty's like look like this is what happened we got the unicorn dog and he's holding it and the unicorn dog's happy dog he's a real happy dog and uh and Scotty's saying yeah like there's there's some issues with the transporter because look we got happy dog and then like two seconds later we got not happy dog and he opens up a crate and there's there's unhappy dog and uh, the dog in the crate Ferocious is, like, super is the word that's used, which I thought was hilarious. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unicorn dog. little yeah. dog. Unhappy dog. Yeah. And and Scotty's like, look, mate, like, we can't um, beam up the rest of the crew from the planet because, like, heaven per- forbid this should happen to a man. And it kind of zooms in a little bit on Kirk, like, dun, dun, dun. what yeah. if it's already happened already? Yeah. Um, yeah. It has. Spoiler alert, it has. Yeah, and at this point, again, nitpicky, because that's our brand, I guess. But <laughs> um, why did they be the dog in isolation? Wasn't the yeah, dog hanging like, with Sulu? Um, uh, is this just luck? Yeah. Um, I think, like, well, this is definitely branching out of canon um, so far. But at least in the movie, the reboot movie with Chris Pine and Anton Yelchin, blah, blah, blah. It's a big deal that Chekhov can get two people onto one pad um, without like mixing them up. And so I'm going to guess that you typically do only want to pick up one target and put them on one pad. And so Sulu and the dog wouldn't be beaming up together anyway. So it would be the dog alone. In which case, dog it's just first, like sheer yeah. luck that they did the dog next. <laughs> How yeah. convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's that's I, what I, I thought. I believe you. Um, I mean, I have no other yeah. basis to go on, but how friggin' convenient. 
Um, anyway, so you have, you know, yeah. opposite dog indicating possibly opposite humans. So evil. And, and then yeah. we proceed what? to the scene that upsets me the most. And I don't, I haven't decided yet. I guess we'll see as we talk yeah. about it if I want to talk about this a lot or not at all because how stupid it is. But yeah. we're back to Janice's quarters and she enters and sees evil Kurt. Oh, I wanted to mention something I forgot earlier, but. The other way that they're distinguishing between yeah. evil and good Kirk, apart from the fact that they eventually end up wearing different colored shirts and have scratches on their face, which we'll get into in a second, is that evil Kirk has his eyes blind, which is a little bit racist. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want <laughs> to say that, I guess. It, it's bad. <laughs> That's a thing. Yep. They choose to do. It's, bad. it's not great. Um, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah, because you know, That's yeah. Bad. Anyway, so now that that said, <laughs> we're back in yeah. Janice's quarter, and she sees, yeah. you know, eye-lined evil Kirk, who we know is evil because of this eyeliner sort of lurking, and yeah, lurking she's with consuming. his bottle of brandy. Yeah. Um, super creepy. Uh, like credit. So quick interjection. Credit to William Shatner in that. Um, he does definitely carry oh, himself yes. differently when he's portraying oh, yes. evil Kirk. Like, and, but really? it doesn't feel too over the top. Like he just sort of hunches I thought over. It was so oh, really? You didn't think so? I thought it was pretty good. But... This is what I was talking about oh. earlier with the miming and the imp in the background. Like, I feel like every evil scene is oh. something we've talked about in earlier episodes. Like, you know, when you have to sort of project everything you're acting in theater. That's 100% the impression yeah. I got, especially with how uh, close yeah. to his face they go. So with their camera and yeah. lighting they techniques, the really they're doing tightly. a lot of highlighting and close-ups of yeah. Kirk's face. And so his like eye yeah. movements and his like smirking and you know, sneering and all is just so sort of yeah. exaggerated, which works. It's effective because there's no doubt about it. Yeah. That's evil Kirk. But it was, I found it that's slightly comical. <laughs> Oh, I really enjoyed it. I think I just really like um, mm-hmm. William Shatner's physicality um, as an actor. And so to see him like uh, sort of push it and, you know, and use it a bit more in this episode was nice. Um, different yeah, strokes for different anyway, I enjoyed yeah. it. Totally. Um, but yeah, so he, she sees him, he appears, um, he... I yeah. don't even know. It's an yeah. assault. He, he tries to preface it with we both um, been feeling he... this way and we both walked this and we've both been holding yeah. back and pretending. Let's just stop. You're beautiful. You're too beautiful to ignore. Just too much woman, because that's a thing. And then um and then he grabs her and starts kissing her and she struggles and tries to push away and eventually mm-hmm. like he throws her on the floor and She's still trying to push him away and like scratches his face and he sort of recoils and she manages to like get up and hide behind a painting and then push it into him and, and get to the door, but she doesn't make it out, but she screeches it or mm-hmm. oh, I'm not going to say screeches. I'm going to say she yells um, at Fisher. a so this is Fisher, this... person yeah. to get Spock. Fisher, that's right. It's Fisher. Yeah. She yells at Fisher, you know, get Mr. Spock, get Mr. Spock and Kirk. I think grabs her with inside of Fisher, throws her back and closes the door. Um, so Fisher sees that it's her, that Janice is under attack by the captain. Um, and, and then chases after him. That's right. He throws Janice back in the room and then chases after Fisher. Fisher goes to the intercom and starts calling it in and violent Kirk mm-hmm. attacks him and punches him in the face. 
or somewhere, throws him to the ground and punches him and then takes off. So now he has mm-hmm. red scratches on his face from mm-hmm. Janice and bloodied knuckles yeah. from where And the next couple of scenes sure. and transitions are amazing. Yeah. So yeah. he has now attacked two people and physically hurt two people, not counting bones, mm-hmm. I guess. And at this time, we seem to be a few minutes in the future where Spock is now confronting Kirk saying that an empty brandy bottle was found in Janice's room and Janice is saying that she was physically assaulted and sexually assaulted by Kirk and you know Kirk is denying these things is not sure what's happened and then we seem to for whatever reason the scene transition exact is like uh focuses and starts on Kirk's bloodied knuckles and you know like zooms out of there and they're super bloody and this is to me where I first saw the instance of like Kirk sort of tiptoeing around as like an character in a play but you know he's just he's just Mm. playing up the evil yeah and with his bloody knuckles he retreats to Kirk's chambers (laughs) and weirdly like I understand when you have blood sometimes you like suck on it because the saliva sometimes soothes the bloody injury but he like basically yeah sticks his knuckle into his mouth and like starts like, like a leech sucking on it. So that was an interesting visual. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, he's bloodthirsty. Literally, yeah. yeah he's bloodthirsty, yeah, yeah. literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. it's horrible. Um, it's, it's But bad. it's only a flash, right? This is what we were saying earlier, where it's like a plot point and it's not, not that yeah. I need to see the sexual assault played up and given you know 20 minutes but it's attack attack violence right. fisher gets hurt as well and it's just like you blink and you could miss it yeah yeah and um this kind of reminds me so um i've read a really good analysis of mm-hmm. mad max fury road that breaks down a lot of that movie because there's a lot of of gendered mm-hmm. violence there but it's unseen so like the wives are mm-hmm. obviously um raped mm-hmm. on on what sounds like a regular basis and mm-hmm. the goal is to make them pregnant but you never see it but you know that it's there so it contributes to the story it contributes to them as characters blah 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 but it's not gratuitously added in for the thrill of the audience like it's not mm-hmm. it's not included mm-hmm. as like a shock factor kind of thing so like you know, I think it's a really good example where you can have violence and sexual assault and and all these terrible things and violence against women be contributors to the story mm-hmm. without glorifying it or being, you know, gratuitously added for the thrill of the audience or anything. Like apparently there was a scene that was actually ultimately cut um, because it had um it really did show graphic violence against one of the wives and it was like does this contribute to the story no like mm-hmm. at that point in the story she was already dead so it's mm-hmm. like that's we don't need to go into that um mm-hmm. we've seen her die like that's fine so like you know my thought is you could actually entirely have this sexual assault happen but not even show it and it would still and you could still use that to drive the story. Like it doesn't even need to be there. You could cut to Janice being in the sick bay mm-hmm. and explaining what happened. Um, and that would still contribute to the story. So Just like, why did Shatner being that? brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I see what you're saying. I, I think, yeah, I guess there's <laughs> different ways to make this 
an event that seems to be marking evil from good in Kirk. And I think mm-hmm. the retelling of events would have been just as effective. I agree. Yeah, whatever choices were made, but just sort of like, again, this is not treated as like a central thing, right? This is treated as a way for them to communicate right. the differences between the two versions of Kirk and yeah, the the choices and how to show that kind of sort of just build on that, right? Like it does it does feel like an opportunity for, for Shatner to show you how much physical acting he can do in some senses and so like yeah. having Janice retell that story wouldn't give yeah. you that chance um so yeah again like this whole thing yeah. is just sort of playing into the I can't think of the word but basically the storytelling related to Kirk is sort of the main goal there's a word mm-hmm. for it that I can't think of right now but right yeah okay <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um we can come back uh the so this happens and then we cut to sickbay and kirk bones real kirk nice kirk weak kirk whatever not violent kirk um bones and spock are meeting with janice and this again like oh this is so Mm -hmm. painful to watch because here's janice talking about a violent incident that she is the victim of and there is a man who at this point we haven't quite figured out or they haven't quite figured out the the doppelganger issue. So to her, she's literally Mm -hmm. relating her assault to the person who assaulted her. She's sitting on a chair. All three of the men are standing up over her. And it is very clear that the concern is not Janice. It's Kirk needs to prove or, you know, convince everyone that he didn't do this. He's not guilty. I'm not the person who assaulted Janice. It's not me. Not, hey, Janice has just been through some major shit. Um, let's and even the way Janice. she's recounting like, the events, she's not talking about how he attacked me. It was awful. It's more like he was the captain. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond. It was you. Yeah, it looked like right. you. And like her kind of gaslights her a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, well, I scratched his yeah. face. I mean, Fisher was there too. And it's a little bit of a sad commentary on the fact that if Fisher hadn't been there, it would be even harder for her to sort of get this Kirk to believe that it happened to her. And, you know, you have Fisher run in at just the opportune moment being like, yeah, I saw it. And it was you being a dick. (laughs) Yeah. It honestly, like seeing the the scene and then having her relate the events afterwards, I honestly thought of um, Bill Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Um, And just like, yep, power dynamic like it's there and she's nailed it of like yeah. you're the captain what am I supposed to do here um and uh, yeah. yeah it was it was painful to yeah and to it, see you even get the impression that she yeah. doesn't want him to get into trouble for this like she almost seems to reluctantly be telling yes, exactly her side of the story because you know you can see the scratch on her face you can see her disheveled appearance yeah yeah she says something about how I wouldn't have told or I yeah. would never tell yeah. or something like it's crazy it is crazy and, and you know like when Fisher corroborates Janice's version of events Kirk just kind of looks confused not you know distressed not yeah. you know yeah. holy shit this has happened to someone yeah. that's my responsibility and is under yeah. my command and you know like again right so like I think when we were watching the episode yeah. I was saying something about how there's this sort of like common thought when you talk about corporations and hierarchies and corporations about how when someone does a really great job 
the credit goes to them. But if someone does a really poor job, it's reflective of the management in some way, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If everyone does great, it's the team. If something goes wrong, it's the manager. Yeah. Even if it wasn't literally you, which it was, it's still on you to like fix it for them. Yeah. It's still on you. Yeah. And this is, I think, where the dichotomy of good Kirk, bad Kirk breaks down Mm -hmm. because this is the Kirk who's supposed to be loving Mm -hmm. and kind and compassionate. And so I feel like, you know, if we were, if we were sticking to that, his concern would be for Janice, maybe to the exclusion of the rest of the crew that like, you know, I need to care about this one person. And it would be Spock being like, Hey, like, yeah, you're right. She needs attention, but we've also got this bigger problem that needs to be dealt with and you can't be a bleeding heart for Janice right now. But they kind of cover their bases with this when later on, you know, the this is this is why my issue exists with good versus evil and good being such a poorly defined thing. Yeah. Because like later on, good also is expanded to mean indecisive and it's yes. expanded to mean just like uncertain and unsure yeah. and fading. Like fading is used so often in conjunction yeah. with the good Kirk. Yeah. that it's it's hard to almost even expect the empathy to exclusion of all else from him because he just seems like there he's just yeah. there yeah exactly he's like a soggy piece of lettuce yeah and, you know <laughs> yeah totally soggy in, in this curve. moment yeah. yeah in this moment his biggest concern seems to be like I would never do that because I'm not bad and right. that's sort of his expression of good is that I would never do that yeah yeah, which is like, I don't know, she's like, not all men. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's just so like, it's just yeah. so blah. And limp is such a great word for that. And, you know, like in this moment, you have Janice upset and everyone around confused. And, you know, she just yeah. gets sent away. And Spock's response is, guess right. there's a duplicate. Spock is like, okay, you can go. And it's yeah. like, wait, what? Like, she yeah. needs care. Um, And maybe like, you know, we could be charitable and say that he's dismissing her and it's already been discussed that she's going to go straight to the onboard um, counseling office, uh, which is right next door to the med bay and she's going to get some help, but we don't see it. So she needs, she needs physical medical attention too. She's got a scratch in her face. She's been physically hurt. I'm sure there's like bruising, internal damage potentially. Like she's been thrown around. Stronger man, right? Like, I mean, his build is bigger. Yeah. Um, and even as, you know, an alien with no feelings or whatever, Spock, as a logical person, exactly, should have instructed her to go to the med bay. Right. Like you would, ex- you don't, you know, you would still expect him from a like everything exactly. in working order perspective to be like, okay, Janice is not currently in working order. She like clearly serves a purpose on the ship. This is why she continues to be employed. So you need to ensure either continuity of her role or continuity of her well-being yeah. as someone who's second in command in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Just so lots of holes. disappointing. Lots of, holes. lots of holes, lots of disappointment, and it just feels yeah. all too familiar. So. so you still have four men on the planet that are, you know, stuck there, can't be beamed up because of this duplicate issue and transporter issue. And, you know, they're still hypothesizing this is because of the weird yellow ore that they found on Ish- on Fisher. And but they have to bring these guys mm-hmm. back up at some point because as Sulu called it earlier, it's a nippy, it's a nippy planet. It gets cold, yeah, and it's going to get too cold for them to survive at some point um, in the night. And then they go through a lot of temperatures, and I don't think in Fahrenheit, so none of that really meant much to me. 
but you know it was cold it was yeah, minus it was cold. a lot cold. at one point i think it's like 170 Hella degrees cold. before it below zero which absolutely blows my mind as a number because obviously it's probably Fahrenheit, but damn <laughs> yeah i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna i'm gonna do i'm gonna look it up even if it isn't but like holy crap it's cold right okay here we go uh what is it minus 117 right that's minus 82 degrees celsius that's colder than uh the super duper freezers i used to work with yeah, those are That's minus cool. 80 freezers. Yeah, we yeah. still got liquid nitrogen beyond that, though. But yeah. anyway, but so dead. Sulu, you're pretty freaking dead. What are you yeah. doing on the yeah. communicator telling Kirk that it's a minus 17? Well, he does. He does vanish after that. They have a hard time getting in touch with him. This was after multiple attempts at contacting him. So it's yeah. very cold. Hello. And we get reminded of that in numbers that don't mean much to us as residents of Canada. But, yeah. you know, um, and they're stuck there and we need to get them back. And um, the good Kirk, I guess, <laughs> is um, essentially Kirk. proposing, Lettuce Kirk is just proposing like sending it. search parties around the ship to find the other Kirk, but reminding Spock, and this is a conversation between him and Spock at this point, and he keeps reiterating to Spock that you can't kill fake Kirk. You absolutely cannot kill fake Kirk. And he proposes, you know, just coming clean to the rest of the crew about not just this imposter being, I was a little bit confused in this scene, mm-hmm. but not just that there's an imposter on board, but like to be um, transparent about what's happened with Janice as well. I think. I, maybe. I'm not sure. At least like, I got the impression it was like, I'm going to tell them everything in the sense that like we have other Kirk and that one's evil, but I'm the good one, but I'm also indecisive. <laughs> And yeah. I think I think Spock was just like, no, like you can't, you don't have the luxury of being vulnerable, which I think is yeah. kind of true in the sense that, like, yeah, you're on a ship in the middle of like the wilderness. Um this the ship works, this whole system does work because you are supposed to be perfect, as horrible yeah. as that sounds. I don't know, like I, I don't agree like with could, that at all. Yeah, I feel like we could have a really fruitful conversation with like if someone was someone we knew who had been on a ship or something like you know how integral do you think that really rigid hierarchy is to a smoothly functioning ship are there any instances of uh, democracy on a ship that we were working really well for example so it doesn't i don't i don't think the like i don't think the management hierarchy on this ship is sort of tailored exclusively to the operation of the ship it's basically to me another scenario where you're essentially handling a lot of resources and a lot of people yeah working towards a common goal which is most industry right and so like while we can't comment from the perspectives of someone who yet hopefully but from the perspectives of people running these ships in quotes or these you know companies or these industries or these organizations or whatever it is we can comment from the perspective of people who have people leading us Mm -hmm. and to me like you know even outside of the context of what's happening here like I would appreciate transparency from my leadership. I don't want to just be told, do this, I'm not going to tell you why, or do this, I'm not going to tell you the full repercussions of what happens if you succeed or don't, or, you know, do this and everything's completely fine. We're not going to tell you why or what is going on. Like I, and might be unique to me or might be unique to 2021, I don't know, but I don't agree that a leader can't be vulnerable. I, in fact find vulnerable leaders more inspiring and easier to rally behind than you know these like leaders who portray no human fallibility in any way and are like these perfect 
robots for lack of a better (laughs) qualifier right and so like Spock giving that advice to me at least read very much as a Vulcan piece of advice yeah where maybe he has no respect for a leader that's vulnerable and that may not ring true for all the other crew members who are human and also other species I imagine yeah. for all I know so like this whole conversation was confusing to me because I guess it wasn't super evident to me what it is that he wanted to be vulnerable about so mm-hmm. the fact that you're mentioning a weak and strong duality makes more sense yeah. but yeah I guess it would be stressful to hear that your captain can't make a decision I get that yeah. so there's maybe something to be said about not being vulnerable but not causing panic yeah the latter I could totally get behind you don't want to panic the troops you want to let them believe that there is still somebody or something that's in, in control of the situation yeah, yeah. but yeah I, I i don't fully agree with sort of spock's viewpoint in this particular instance because he's essentially says explicitly that if you lose strength they lose respect right almost yeah. where i don't i don't know i i didn't think it made any sense as a report to leaders and yeah i wasn't super on board with this but yeah. kirk is immediately on board with yeah. spock's thought process <laughs> Yeah, um, it feels kind of old-fashioned, um, and I agree, like, I definitely value transparency and leadership um, more than than lack of transparency, mm-hmm. but I also know that, like, like there is some value in leadership in the sense that, like, well, it's not my responsibility, so I don't have to worry about it, like, it's somebody else's responsibility to worry about that stuff, and so, mm-hmm. you know, do I, do I want to know about something if I have zero power to change it, and I think like the answer for you and I is yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we still want to know about it, even if we can't do anything mm-hmm. about it. Um, but I know that's not true for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and maybe that's really what it is, is like, you know, there mm-hmm. are some people on the crew who would absolutely want to know this is happening and you could count on them to take it as well as can be expected. And then there are others who just would not, you know, who yeah. don't want to know, can't, don't want to be um, worrying about this when they have no power to change it yeah obviously there's no one-size-fits-all solution I can sympathize with that but I guess in a to me especially in a not quite as emergency a situation as your ship getting pulled into the orbit of another planet right yeah (laughs) yeah but this is a pretty like high stakes situation right like you have crew members who are freezing to death on a planet Mm -hmm. you have you know leadership or people in charge who are in a dangerous position you have the inability to use your transporter properly which is a key part of their ship and a key part of their operation yeah yeah you don't want to have your head in the sand about stuff and yeah you also don't want to have to like emotionally deal with the burden of doing knowledge that you can't do anything with like I sympathize with both parties but especially in this sort of like not quite end of the world situation but like pretty big deal situation to me at least in these situations transparency maybe is more helpful than not yeah. But again, yeah, personal thoughts and opinions and it could just be Spock being the character he's supposed to be. And yeah. you know, you can you can deep dive into a lot of motivations and stuff, but at the end of the day, as reductive as this is gonna sound, it's a TV show. That's yep. why, right. They're they're in <laughs> yeah. a spaceship. That's not a thing. They're in a spaceship. Yeah, this is not a thing oh. in our in our world right now. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, he asks, he admits, Kirk admits that he screwed up and wasn't being a decisive leader and basically like very awkwardly and haltingly says you know Spock if this happens again dot 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 tell me that's it yeah Yeah. (laughs) not like smack (laughs) me in the face (laughs) just just tell me yeah which like I don't know man like at some 
like we talk about this a bit later um but it's kind of like you've just sort of admitted that you might not be competent right now mm-hmm. so maybe you should just hand it over to spock while this gets sorted out like mm-hmm. should you be in charge um right now i mm, eh, mm, eh, i would say no <laughs> mm-hmm. um but anyway he's still in charge so he heads over to the bridge and goes on the intercom and uh, tells the the crew that this ship that there is an imposter who looks just like me but he got scratches on his face and you should search party should report to spock for assignments and hand phasers must be set to stun repeat set to stun do not kill the imposter um and we cut to the imposter's face and he's like sweaty and yelling because i think he's back in in kirk's quarters at this point and and he pissed he pretty upset he knocks the little computer screen off of the desk and starts screaming that he's captain kirk he's Mm -hmm. captain kirk and we zoom in and his face fills the screen and there's a lot of eyeliner which we noticed like Kirk in this scene is is quite sweaty, but the eyeliner hasn't run. So let this be a lesson to all of us that uh, waterproof makeup is critical. Is worth the investment. Yeah, totally worth the investment. Yeah, and I don't know when waterproof makeup was invest or invented or developed, but it was before this show. Yeah. It, it holds up really well. Kirk then finds concealer on the vanity and uses that to cover up his scratches. Really um, fast, really easily, yeah. with his fingers, no yeah. cakiness, just yeah. blends beautifully immediately. Yeah, there, there's some talent there. As someone who does not wear makeup, but enjoys watching makeup related content on various social media platforms, um, it was a pleasure to see the, the blending it's an art honestly it's an art but he's somehow he's managing to do this with his fingers on a sweaty ass face by the way yeah which i don't imagine that's the easiest surface to get makeup on well well but he does it evenly but he manages in an instant he's a well-rounded captain yeah Um, i guess the fact that he had concealer there in the first place indicates that he he has innate talent yeah yeah right because yeah. he's, he's still kirk right he he's has the kirk, same yeah. knowledge and talent and skills he's just evil <laughs> evil angrier no impulse control yeah. so he's finished touching up his makeup and goes to the door and sees wilson um one of the crew members and is like like want to drop buy some drugs not quite like that, but that's essentially <laughs> what happens and wilson comes in and and he's like, give me your phaser. And Wilson's like, oh, okay. And uh, Kirk takes the phaser, evil Kirk takes the phaser and then beats the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like, yeah, that's- That's his MO. Kirk's, that's his MO is like beat the shit out of people. Yeah, he's, he's um, physical. He's like, he's like sort of what people said about Daniel Craig is Bond, where yeah. the others were like sophisticated with and weaponry suave. and suaveness. And then you yeah. have Daniel Craig, who's more- you know, still charming as hell, but brute yeah. force. Like, yeah. you could pummel a man in the face. <laughs> That's right. He's just going to break shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So Evil Kirk uh, is now on the move. We see Spock uh, being informed somehow that the imposter is running around and has hurt Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, and this clues them in that, that the imposter, Evil Kirk or whatever, appears to have Kirk's knowledge. Like he mm-hmm. knows crew members. He knows the outlay of the, the ship. Uh, he's familiar with technology. And so Kirk, limp lettuce Kirk, is asked, well, okay, well, you know, if you were going to try and hide from a mass uh, manhunt on this ship, where would you go? 
the engineering deck, the lower levels, mm-hmm. apparently. So Spock and Limp Lettuce Kirk go there together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can see that uh, Evil Kirk is wearing like a yellow shirt and, and Limp Lettuce Kirk is wearing a green shirt. So there's no real concern there of mixing the two of them up. Mm-hmm. And we can also see um, Evil Kirk is like climbing around on top of big panels or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Spider Kirk, he's Spider Evil Kirk. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, being super creepy up there. Mm-hmm. he's um, being an acrobat and I, being I an acrobat. don't think this is important to say but I would like to say it anyway it's very reminiscent of Harry Potter in the PC game when he has to <laughs> evade filch in the library in the middle of the night this is I think the first story where he's in the restricted section trying to find out about the Philosopher's Stone yeah but uh, yeah he's got Kirk like leaping from machine to machine as if he were uh, avoiding Filch and Mrs. Norris in the hallways. And yeah. I thought that was very, uh, yeah, very nostalgic, I guess. Maybe that game. <laughs> yeah, maybe this um, was inspiration for that scene in the book and in the game. Maybe. I don't think <laughs> they actually climb on shelves in the book, but definitely for the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. I honestly in the book, have... they just have the invisibility cloak, right? So. Oh, right. Yep, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so you've got. Real Kirk, or, or the first lettuce Kirk is wearing green to match yep. lettuce, I guess, and it's yep. a wrap up. And then you have the other dude, and there's a big show at this point of turning all the phasers to stun, not yep. kill. My immediate thought was, you've said it three times, so probably somebody's going to die because it's yeah. not on stun yet. But <laughs> Foreshadowing. No payoff there. <laughs> not really any payoff there, though. Yeah. But then Spider Kirk leaps off the equipment and starts. And I don't know where Spock went at this point, but he went away. Yeah. And in the other direction, I guess. And um, Spider Kirk starts following Lettuce Kirk around and then like very menacingly tiptoeing around. And you kind of see them both in the same frame a few times. And, you know, he's very clearly dressed differently, very clearly appears different. And we're hopeful Spock will notice the difference because it's very clear mm-hmm. one is going to overpower the other. And it's very likely in favor of Spider Kirk at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you have um lettuce kirk noticed the other one around and he turns around and he's like you know you can't kill me you can't hurt me i can't hurt you i can't kill you we're a part of each other and we need each other and you know spider kirk is very in denial about this and says no i don't need you and then spock comes in with his vulcan nerve thing and incapacitates fake curve with a save but as he's falling down, Fake Kirk, I guess, presses the trigger on his phaser and shoots something in the engine room that shouldn't be shot and should yeah. not have a hole in it. <laughs> is but there really anything does. in the engine room that is okay to be shot at with holes in it? No. <laughs> Probably not, but particularly this, this part. Of course, we need more tension. There's never enough yeah. tension. That's right. And then uh, Spider Kirk gets transported to the med bay and he's unconscious. But McCoy warns that he's probably going to come back to consciousness soon and you can't tranquilize him for some reason i can't remember why he's worried i think he's worried about tranquilizing him because he just doesn't at this point they don't know how um limp lettuce kirk and would be affected are linked yeah like there's sort of the implication when it's like you know only stun don't kill it kind of feels a bit like you know quantum entanglement if you kill one they both die so like if you tranquilize one 
you might accidentally tranquilize the other. Although the Vulcan nerve pinch clearly doesn't actually have an effect on that. But whatever. Anyway, they're not going to tranquilize him, but they are going to bind him mm-hmm. using restraints to the bed. <laughs> yeah. And this is distressing to Kirk as well as most things are now because as, as you know, the longer the two coexist as separate individuals, it seems to be really taking a toll only on Lettuce Kirk, though, not the yeah. other one. And he's losing his ability to make decisions and, you know, kind of like becoming a a shadow of his former self, essentially. And at this point, you have Spock, similar to the time warp thing in the previous episode, very excitedly talk about the like academic opportunity here. Yeah. (laughs) To study, you know, the duality of man, man, good versus evil. What do you need to be a good captain? Like you also need the dark side, essentially, right? And, you know, at this point, Spock, is theorizing that this is why the captain is losing his ability to make these decisions because the evil side is the confident side is like the more assertive side i guess and yeah. his power of command is linked to spider kirk yeah yeah like i guess like evil kirk is just like you know no impulse control whatever i want i'm gonna do it whereas like lettuce kirk is is indecisive you know doesn't know what he wants maybe and it's just like which again is not not a good versus evil it's no evil versus leftovers more than anything else right so like when you have in the cartoons and stuff you have the devil and the angel on your shoulder the angel still has a position and still has an opinion it's not like do this exactly it's not like oh we don't know (laughs) we don't know do whatever you want yeah um but anyway And at this point, he basically says to Kirk that if he continues to fade in the way he has been, he may lose the ability to be an effective captain because being captain is above all what matters most, right? Not whether Kirk lives or dies or whether somebody else lives or dies. And at this point, Spock actually says, seems like I'm being insensitive to what you're experiencing. It's because I am, because that's who I am. It's just who I am. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wow, what a cop-out. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, the fact that you recognize that this may be perceived as being insensitive, does that not act as enough of an impulse or like a a trigger for you to try and correct for it? Right. Or because, like, you know, you're Vulcan, yeah. but you're human too. Yeah, you have a human side. And let's be real, you've been surrounded by humans for what sounds like quite a amount of time. Like you don't, do you like fake it? Just fake it. Yeah, yeah. It's like learning a language. Just speak enough of it to get by. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So yeah, it's just who I am. And Scotty's hanging out by the machine that Baker blew a hole in as he fell. Yeah. And I think that's related to the transporter specifically because of course it is. And that it can't be repaired quickly. It needs about a week. So another dun dun dun. Because of course. And then. Uh, we cut to the four on the planet freezing and yeah. Sue is huddling under what looks like a parachute yeah. repurposed <laughs> as a blanket and he's still in a pretty jovial mood so he's asking yeah. Lettuce Kirk for coffee or rice wine something just lowered down with a rope at this point point. Yeah. and Kirk is supposed to be depicted as indecisive here but he seems just more sort of like he's not paying attention yeah kind of like he's just distracted like yeah 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 funny and uh sulu says something about like we've been heating up rocks um with the phasers but we're running out of phasers you know 
is there is there much we can do here and, and spock cuts in and is like just follows survivor protocol and hang mm -hmm. in there as long mm -hmm. as possible because at this point kirk is like useless <laughs> pretty much yeah he doesn't say that to sulu but we see that <laughs> yeah like people are perplexed i guess by despite knowing that there's an imposter by just sort of like the inactivity on Lattice Kirk's part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then you have evil Kirk in the med bay. He seems to be yelling in pain, like yelling, I guess, freaking, more than yelling. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like evil Kirk is basically dying because of the process of duplication or splitting, I think is more accurate than duplication. Yeah. Um, has weakened both bodies and real Kirk is there at that point and he sort of like clasps his hand and tells him not to be afraid and I'm not gonna leave you and yeah it's like mate where were you when like 20 minutes ago Janice was telling you about an assault like <laughs> self-care you know it's oh, self-care oh my god oh my god yeah <laughs> um yeah. Right. Yeah, like Evil Kirk is is panicking. You can see his, his heart rate and, and respiration are all elevated. And then um Limp Lettuce Kirk calms him down and mm -hmm. uh and says, you know, I'm not gonna not gonna let you go. Um and uh you know, you gotta calm down, you gotta be cool. And this calms him down and his vitals return to normal and, and mm -hmm. Kirk says, you know, I gotta take him back in. I don't want to. He's a brutless, you know, brutal, thoughtless animal, but he needs to be back inside me. Um, and literally inside me, which if this were Archer would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> Or, um, or if this were Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Paddle of Your Sex Day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, and, he, and he seems kind of bummed out about it. I'm just like, you know, I don't want this guy back inside me. And McCoy is like, no, like we all got darkness in us. You know, without the negative side, you, you can't be captain. The, the angry Kirk was afraid, but you have, you know, logic, you have compassion, you were able to calm him down. And, uh, and courage kind of comes from this side of you, not from... Which is counterintuitive. Because Big counterintuitive. You also need courage to be decisive, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. all this to say that they both complement each other to some yeah. extent, and they're uh -huh. both needed and no one can survive without the other, which, you know, of course, needed to be said and hammered in further and further because Kirk matters the mostest. Yep. Um, but yeah, at this point, Lettuce Kirk is called to the transporter room by Spock. And as he's leaving, <laughs> we have um, Evil Kirk make a particularly creepy smiley face. Which, which doesn't really make any sense. I don't, I don't know what that was for. It was a close-up and it was like the same eerie lighting highlighting sort of the face elements yeah. and yeah it was it was a choice that was made yeah. <laughs> and doesn't add anything too much but you have um kirk mild kirk enter the transporter room and basically spock and scotty tell him that there may be a way to work around the issues that are being caused when the transporter is used so they essentially just want to test their theory out by sending both ferocious and lovely unicorn dog back to the planet and then rebeaming them back and hope, hoping that they'll come back together somehow yeah basically like send them into 
atoms, break them down, ionize them, or whatever it is the transporter does. I don't know if they actually like rematerialize them on the planet or if they just rematerialize them on the ship. Either way, the idea is to like disintegrate them and then re-disintegrate them um, yeah. on the pad as one happy dog or mm -hmm. ambivalent dog, ambivalent mm -hmm. dog. Mm -hmm. uh, multifaceted dog with yeah you know more than one personality trait so right kind of nuanced dog yeah <laughs> more nuanced than kirk yeah. um, <laughs> so they have to tranquilize barky dog to <laughs> put them both on the the pads that they beamed them down off of and then they beam them somewhere yeah. And both dogs disappear, and there's a moment of ominous silence, and you know you're just left waiting. And then Scotty reverses or rebeams them or whatever it is that was happening. The physics of Star Trek. Yeah. And one dog returns, which is promising, but, but he looks pretty dead. He pretty dead. Dead which dogs. Is bad face. Yeah. Like, there's some intense rigor mortis dead. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty stiff already. Yeah. And the the sort of consensus, well, maybe not the consensus, but the argument that Spock puts forward, um, sorry, uh, what McCoy puts forward is says that the animal could have died of shock, that like mm -hmm. it, you know, it was a shocking experience, but without an autopsy, we don't know. Um, and Spock is arguing like, well, like it was probably fear induced by shock because the dog didn't know what was mm -hmm. happening. He has this horrible experience where he gets split into two and then he gets put back together again. Poor, poor dog doesn't know what's happening. But Kirk knows. Kirk knows exactly what's happening and, and can, you know, we've seen the capacity for Limbledis Kirk to calm down angry Kirk. And so that same sort of logic is going to get you through this. And, mm -hmm. and it's painful to watch because Spock and, and Bones are going back and forth and poor Kirk is just sort of caught in the middle. And it's like, guys, why are you doing this? Like, the poor man is literally limp lettuce one of you just make the decision and yeah. and get this over with because you know kirk is like yeah okay yeah and then the other one is like no 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 and he's like oh okay no 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 it's like oh my gosh oh my gosh men sort it out step up <laughs> yeah but they're all they're all like this is this is maybe sort of tying into what we were talking about earlier where the value of not having everything be transparent is it's not your problem so you don't want to make the final call yeah, so right <laughs> that's how they're both acting is like they're if both they like, don't if they don't make the decision then they're not on the line for what happens right. down the line so Which it's easier to give that responsibility to kirk for some reason but also i'm still like blaming this on kirk because good or bad if you know you're not making decisions you step down like right. immediately and he yes. is asked at the end of this conversation if he's relinquishing command and he says no yeah he's still feels his need to be captain so this like aggressive pushy captainy kirk is not unique to the evil one like this yeah. exists in lettuce kirk too where he cannot seem to it may come from a noble place where he doesn't want to give that responsibility to everyone else or anyone else sure yeah. whatever but i don't even want to give him that benefit of the doubt this no. is just sort of like another version of hunger for power in some way totally and so like yeah yeah, and I was, and like I ranted about it while we were actually watching. Like, there has to be some regulation within Starfleet of like, mm. if the captain is not competent, the next in line can can assume command until things get better. Like, and so who Spock makes that call? Just be Spock. But then, how is it not because Spock just wants to be in command? Um. Well, if it's anything like how I think modern, like naval 
shit works is like you do it but then there's a retrospective afterwards of like hmm. was this actually a good decision no it wasn't well the break for you yeah. or so yeah exactly like there's consequences it's not done lightly and it's not like it doesn't get reviewed later yeah um especially yeah. because i think i think to me like i don't i don't know how like hung up i am on that particularly especially because like in this episode spock is very unidimensional and like mm -hmm. very sort of unsympathetic in a lot of ways and so like he doesn't seem fit to be second in command in yeah. a lot of the things that he says in this episode so like i wasn't too torn up that that wasn't done but yeah. it is interesting like especially if kirk were the excellent innately talented captain that he often is portrayed to be already mm -hmm. it would be i think super pertinent for him even if he doesn't trust Spock alone or like whatever his rationale might be he's hesitant about relinquishing control for him to then ask both of them to work together yeah. rather than just one person taking over his position but at this point basically Bones says Kirk needs to make that call and he still does a little bit of an leave every option open kind of yeah where he tells Spock to go deal with the transporter to do his plan which is to just go ahead and you know repeat what they did with unicorn dog but with good and evil Kirk yeah. and tells Bone to continue doing his autop autopsy to figure out if there is an inherent biological risk associated with sending Kirk into the ether, I guess, for all intents and purposes, yeah. to be recombine. Um, so yeah, you're doing everything all at the same time, which I guess is fine because it's not like you need more manpower on any one thing to, you know, what's the word to like combine your efforts or to focus your efforts to make it more effective because how many people do you really need um yeah so then meanwhile while they're off doing their thing you have kirk uh let us kirk go into the med bay to meet up with evil kirk and at that point i think over the comm system they are informed that they've gotten in touch with Sulu, who at this point talks about the temperature being 117 below zero and they can't last much longer. And then yeah. sort of very soon after this, Sulu becomes unresponsive. Yeah. And in this moment, you have Kirks speak to each other yeah. with like not a lot of agitation, like very calmly yeah. actually on both ends. Yeah. And the fake guy asks, not the fake guy, sorry, evil Kirk asks, uh, not evil Kirk, what he's going to do. And un unequal Kirk unstraps evil Kirk and is essentially making moves to take him to the transporter saying that's what they have to do. And, you know, at that, that point, he says that, you know, evil Kirk shouldn't try and stop non-evil Kirk. And evil Kirk reassures him that, no, you know, we're on the same page, we're on the same team, we're, we're doing this, I'm not going to be an obstacle anymore. Yeah. And then does sort of the damsel in distress thing where he's like, oh, I'm being weak. I, I need the vapors and collapses yeah. into real Kirk, which is a ploy. Totally. Who would have thought? Who saw that coming? <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> and I think this is what your evil smile from earlier is supposed to be hinting at. Yeah. Uh, and he knocks, you know, in his, his trademark punching fashion, knocks real Kirk unconscious and then has the presence of mind to switch clothes switch yeah and and scratch real kirk's face as well and then yeah. he's out of there yeah and yeah. heads to the bridge and he runs into janice <laughs> and is all like you know happy happy bouncy bouncy oh janice um you know this is what happened i i think he says something like spock told me that 
the imposter assaulted you and Mm -hmm. and look at he's like scratch my face to make me look like him now but it's not um and he was just the imposter does he explain that like the evil good dichotomy i don't recall but he's basically saying that it was the imposter yeah and he basically says that the imposter is essentially conniving enough to try and get people to confuse the two again so that's that's where the scratching comes in so he just says that the imposter scratched his face so you couldn't tell the two apart yeah but i don't know if he actually explicitly talks about the good and evil no, but I think he explains the duplication because at that point, Janice, when Janice is relating the story, I don't think they know. She doesn't know yet, right? She's like, it was you. She doesn't no, know but that they, there's a duplicate. But they have search parties, so they know there's right. an imposter. So she should know at this point, And he just sort of reiterates that of like, yeah, the imposter did it. Um, and then says, you know, can I come back to your quarters later to explain? And she, you know, this is the captain inviting himself over. So of course she says yes, but there's obviously like, there's a bit of hesitation on her part and it's horrible. It's just like, Mm -hmm. this is terrible. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, bad feelings all around. And uh, Evil Kirk rides on up to the bridge and gets into the chair and starts saying like, okay, like, you know, get ready to leave orbit. And everyone's like, koala, like Sulu (laughs) and the rest of the team are down there. And Kirk's like, yeah, we can't save them. Bye-bye. Let's get out of here. And Spock is kind of like, but I thought we decided that we were, and Kirk's like, nope, changed my mind. (laughs) Back to your station. And uh, so everybody's kind of like, what the fuck is going on? And then um, McCoy and Lettuce Kirk show up on the bridge. And now, like, you know, we have two Kirks. They've got scratches on their face. They're wearing the same shirt. And it's like, no, I'm the real captain. No, I'm the real captain. Um, How are they wearing the same shirt? I don't know. Like, obviously. How many green shirts does Kirk have? Or, Or did McCoy just think to not give him the shirt that was left behind by Evil Kirk, but to yeah, get maybe. him a fresh change of clothes? I don't know. I don't know. Very it's strange. strange. Very anyway, strange. and so angry Evil Kirk is, you know, trying to convince everybody that, like, he's not the real Kirk. That other guy up there, I'm the captain. I'm the captain. My ship, it's mine. And Lettuce Kirk is fading at this point. He's obviously feeling a little under the weather and uh and kind of steps up because kirk or um spock is like no you gotta let the captain figure this out i'm like jesus christ like (laughs) come on um it doesn't matter at this point which one is which just get them both with your vulcan nerf pinch and haul them down to the pad like (laughs) but i think he has to be conscious right otherwise you might have the dog thing happen where they maybe die maybe there is that risk but anyway so spock's kind of like this is not my table uh not my circus not my monkeys and so everybody's just watching as limp lettuce kirk is like look like you know this can't go on we 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 need to do this and um, Angry Kirk is crying. He's like, I don't want to go back. I want to live. I don't want to die. And Which was very interesting to me because yeah. like, it kind of veers away from dichotomy territory to being trapped. Yeah. Like, this is very reminiscent of Charlie X, right? When yes. he doesn't want to leave. Yeah. Don't send me back. But, you know, even in that situation, his survival was contingent on being with these people. And yeah. so even with Evil Kirk, his survival, his continuance, is contingent on being part of the whole rather yeah. than two separates and you know like he just doesn't seem to grasp that because i guess there's another sort of weird stereotype that's been perpetuated where anger and evil can't be smart and yeah, you know right. only mild-mannered calm Rational. indecisive person can be smart 
Yeah. And, you know, somehow in his anger, he's just unable to recognize that he can't actually survive without the other one. But just, yeah. just sort of him yelling he wants to live was a little bit sort of uncomfortable. Yeah, because if he truly believes that he's about to die, like, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like, what is... lettuce, Kirk is just like, they're there. It'll which like fun. makes you wonder like does this basically want you to believe or is this you're supposed to understand from this that when you know the two parts make up the whole that one side is suppressing the other rather than working in harmony to right. sort of the end product because yeah. that's disturbing that yeah that's pretty dark too like are we only who we are because the good versions of ourselves are suppressing the bad versions yeah. or is it just not as clear-cut and, you know, rather than suppressing, we're able to reason with yeah. the parts of ourselves that are maybe, you know, inclined to evil, let's say. And it's not necessarily killing the evil within us, but more sort of like repurposing them. Yeah. Redirecting. Redirecting. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we're de- I think we're definitely falling on the side of like evil Kirk needs to be suppressed by mm-hmm. religious Kirk. Anyway. Um, Evil Kirk is crying and Lettuce Kirk embraces him and they both go to the pad and uh, Lettuce Kirk is is talking to Spock and says you know if this doesn't work and there's a pause and Spock's just like I know and I'm mm-hmm. like I, I don't know what 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 mm-hmm. do you know Spock because I don't know are we just supposed to murder people like mm-hmm. if the two Kirks come back do you kill them if they're dead do you bury them it's spade like what this doesn't even I don't even know but anyway they carry on they are beamed up and then you know there's that tense moment waiting and and Spock beams them back but it's one Kirk and uh and there's this pause of like shit like you know did did it work is this the Kirk that we all know and love or is it something else but then he uh uh well it's McCoy actually who breaks it and says like Jim and um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and again, there's a, a pause and Kirk's like get the, that landing party back fast he steps off the pad and so everyone's like yay like it's Kirk back to normal um, yay and then like the four geological party with Sulu are wheeled away on gurneys looking like little popsicles and uh, McCoy says to Kirk like you know how are you feeling and Kirk's like oh terrible no <laughs> I've seen a part of myself no man should have to see and that was pretty uh bullshit that was a bullshit that was a piss off too because it's like like um maybe this is a part of yourself that like you should see on a regular basis through therapy to uh you know get that under control because you tried to rape janice i don't know man if you got like suppressed thoughts of raping your yeoman that's not something you should be burying and hiding. That's something or suppressed thoughts of like that she somehow harbors affections for you, and the only yeah. reason you can't act on it, even consensually, is because of your station. Yeah, that's kind of bullshit. Like you should be better at reading rooms and feelings than that if you're going to be in a position with as much power and responsibility as captain and beyond all of that like you're saying with the therapy angle like why why is day-to-day life of yours that you aspire to dependent on you being in denial about yeah you know this thing inside you (laughs) yeah like you have the makings of a rapist inside wouldn't you want to have that looked at or like if <laughs> wouldn't it wouldn't it be helpful for you to understand like Where what may motivate that like yeah. again are you just sort of insecure in 
people's affections for you or in your role in other people's lives are you insecure or, in your position as captain in which case you shouldn't be captain yeah or do you just think of women as like meat in which case you definitely shouldn't be captain of a co-ed crew <laughs> i don't know if i'd go that far i don't see having i don't, I don't think i got that impression based mm-hmm. on this because even like not to rationalize what no. he's doing but even his approach to janice is very much like i feel like you have these feelings for me right. let's not pretend anymore yes that's right he's yeah. not just just your... like any woman in his path right. let's no. do this right that is so, true. um yeah he's he's not that bad yeah. it's um, more like you were kind to me so this was obviously or we right. have a, a kind sort of rapport so this must be physical attraction or this must right. be romantic yeah. affection and therefore yeah. we must act on it which is another kind of gross which is a also yeah a problem a she different nice kind of me, gross she must be flirting with me so we must have sex. like no thank you that's not yeah that this works. must be love or yeah. you know very much unable to deal with unreciprocated affections i don't know yeah. whatever the case might be anyway. especially in a position where she's your yeoman which to my understanding is basically like someone who serves you of course she's yeah. nice to you yeah of course that's like, her job yeah that's literally her job yeah that's like basically transplanting affections onto i guess your secretary or yeah. your executive assistant i guess is the better way to say that now or like your your server at a restaurant mm-hmm. who is being paid to be kind to you on some level, mm-hmm. right? So that was deeply problematic. Um, but moving on, uh, Kirk then goes to thank Spock on behalf of both of them, quote unquote, with a smirk on his face. And then Janice comes in with her little space clipboard that we're on the bridge now. <laughs> and uh, she says to Kirk um, that the imposter told her what happened. And there's a pause. And then she's trying to say something. And Kirk just like kind of interrupts her and says, thank you. And they just kind of nod and part ways, uh, which was weird. Like there need, no, no. Kirk, yeah, like for her. You need to, you need to like fucking apologize. Apologize. The part that assaulted her is inside of you now. So that's mm-hmm. you. Something that represents you in however little a way caused yeah. this. And so you are on, on the hook for it, right? Like yep. again, you're the manager of you and evil Kirk. yeah it's your fault yeah but also like for janice to come up to him and tell him that imposter kirk told me these things why did that need to be said is that just sort of sort of keep their working relationship pleasant i don't know this feels so much so the script was written by a man um as we discovered at the end of this episode we saw the credits man and it just feels like i'm sorry men who are listening obviously not all of you are like this but the number of times where i've encountered a man who just kind of assumes that once everything's explained it's fine is infuriating and this is what i read that as is like well you know obviously if it's explained then janice should be fine because it's been explained and you know it's fine now because it was explained no no just to just to clear that up that's not how that works for the majority of people in general mm-hmm. that i know mm-hmm. and women in general um there like needs her, to be a her lot experience more was pretty there. much invalidated through right. the scene yeah and like i don't i don't know if to me it's if it ends at if there's an explanation then it's fine yeah to me this also kind of like reads as like, for example, I mean, this has just been in our collective awareness relatively recently, but you know, that whole like Brock Turner thing about how yes. 
he's such a good person or right. such a good boy with such a promising future that yeah. there's no way he did this. And so she yeah. is basically playing the part of everyone being like, he has such a bright future. He's so good. Yeah. But in the case of this episode, you're willing to say that he didn't in fact commit the crime that he's being accused of. Yeah. Um, and therefore like clarifying that cements Kirk as this amazing prodigy of a captain who could do no wrong and is in mm-hmm. fact kind and empathetic when he is his whole self and he was sort of he was the victim of the circumstances yeah is essentially what that what? felt like yeah Kirk's the victim here no no he's not sorry he's not <laughs> I mean it's something that happened but like he was not necessarily in active control of what evil Kirk was doing like I, I sympathize I guess yeah, with that right. in that he was quote unquote a victim to just not being himself, like yeah. being a, a fragment of himself. Sure. But whatever caused it, you lose nothing by acknowledging it and you lose nothing by apologizing to your team member yeah. for it, especially someone who you manage and someone who yeah. looks up to you in some way. And when a ship full of people comprised of men and women look up to you, of more men than women <laughs> look up to you, <laughs> And we'll take cues from the way you are. Right. Yeah. Like there's the onus here is also on modeling appropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. And that did not happen here. So yeah. Yeah. And like I think it's hard to I think I said it earlier too, but like at the end of the day, it's a TV show and it's hard to completely separate it from totally. real life as well, regardless of when you're watching it or when it was set or when it was filmed, when it was made, what the circumstances at that time were, it's hard to completely separate it when like because it isn't purely just fiction right if they were talking about meat morphs the whole time okay but Mm -hmm. these are human beings yeah who come from the same sort of society as us at a different time sure Mm -hmm. but you know like our makeup is the same so our traumas will be similar or the way things impact us will be similar and so to just sort of like brush it under the rug without acknowledging it when you choose you actively made that choice as showrunners to like make it a plot point yeah is interesting and it's not even like something you can sort of look past because it was just a tiny thing that you can laugh about later like it's a salt. It's not, you know, oh, there was a misunderstanding. I yeah, slipped no. on a banana peel. Ah. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, no. It, it was, it was meditated violence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like, even, okay, it's a show, right? But like, I mean, so much of, I don't know, like we see human interaction, like so much of, of, I think how we learn to interact in society, a lot of that we do pick up from, media like we talk all the time in you know the news about like what are children watching and and how does that socialize them toward gender roles and and stuff like that so if you're watching Mm -hmm. a tv show that's like all the boys get to do adventures and all the girls just like sit around and wait like kids pick up on that and I think that's also true of adults like I think that's actually one of the things that I really love about Brooklyn Nine-Nine is that when Peralta makes mistakes he apologizes and they're good apologies like Mm -hmm. and I really love that and I really appreciate that that is in a show because it's like look like now you know people watch that so you can't say that you've never seen what a good apology looks like because it's modeled for you in an engaging and funny show Mm -hmm. um so like I think that like tv shows are really important in that respect and then also like it's just 
like this situation of like something bad has happened to a woman and it's just sort of brushed under the rug like that's just so familiar to us not just in tv but in real life too like <laughs> it's just hard to as you say like to to um, to separate that out because it mm -hmm. feels so familiar mm -hmm. and show's not over yet because there's one last oh. weird scene that i am still maybe don't, processing because i don't I actually don't fully understand it yeah. But immediately after, you know, we have this Janice Kirk interaction where Kirk says thank you and pretty much just walks away at that point. We have Spock and Janice interact where Spock just kind of like off the cuff randomly asks Janice essentially something to the effect of, so that imposter, eh? Kind of interesting, right? Like those qualities. Oh, so interesting. Why? Yeah. It's like, oh, there's so... I mean, on the one hand, it's like, okay, well, Spock is just being like his literal logical self of like, you notice he had really interesting qualities, right? Like he was really different from like the, the you know, the Kirk that we have now, because it was like his evil, angry side that, you know, got um, out from underneath the control of the logical side. The but why side. to Janice? Why not? Yeah, to like why to Janice? If it's to Sulu. Janice, then all it like reads as like, oh, you liked it, didn't you? <laughs> a little bit I guess and yeah. to me, it was just like that academic curiosity I don't disagree with there is something yeah. interesting there and you know there is something interesting about how separate this other Kirk was from the one that we know and like the fading version of the Kirk that we are told to assume is the real Kirk you know how that one didn't feel as separate from the Kirk we know as whereas the evil one was just like something out of the blue like there was no real obvious hint to that except when he was drunk off amoeba juice last time but you can express that but it may not need to be it's either it doesn't need to be phrased that way where it could have been rather than the imposter had some interesting qualities or whatever the actual line was it could have been it's interesting how there's you know two yeah opposing sides to every personality right. something yeah. to that effect or just like how you know different jim kirk as a whole is compared to the two gyms that we yeah. had running around like yeah. you mix them together and you get something that's like you know really positive he's my friend yeah. and a good captain but when you separate them out it's just terrible <laughs> or or just be really flippant about it and be like humans weird eh that's it. Yeah. That's all it needs to be. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's just it comes off as so creepy and yeah. and yeah. not in a good way. And yeah. so and then the episode ends, thank God. Yeah. Which again, um, so abrupt, it's so weird. Like these last two, again, we're going yeah. into some real detail with this, right? This is not casual viewing of the show necessarily because of like the premise of this. But even as a casual viewer, if I were to not have gone into as much depth, just sort of like first impressions, because we watch these pretty much immediately before recording these episodes and we watched them together so we're sharing our thoughts as we watch them it felt like a letdown in episode yeah. five yeah. and it felt like a letdown in episode six pretty much like as we were watching it even without yeah. delving into the things that made us unhappy or uncomfortable yeah. with the episode like it was just so weird yeah and such a sort of like betrayal almost of yeah. some of the stronger stories we have gotten and yeah. again, you know, like big picture, it's only six episodes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more ahead and yeah. things may change. And maybe this is the average or this is what it's closer to being because it may not always be possible to have the kind of resolution or presentation of issues the way we've seen in like 
I don't know, the man trap is just a really good example, in my opinion, or Charlie X is a really good example, in my yeah. opinion. But just so random and abrupt, and I just didn't see the need why. Like, you could have really made the end about duality and how yeah. it takes it takes both sides of not both sides based on how they were depicted but just like as a theory it takes both sides of the personality to form a whole yeah a functional whole yeah like I guess Sulu and the rest of the team trapped out on the planet is meant to be kind of the tension but what's unfortunate is like their rescue is not really predicated on having Kirk whole mm-hmm. right like it, you know, you could have written it where we've got Kirk whole, and now as a united individual, he is capable of saving them. In this, case, I mean, it was kind of like, we. It was kind of dependent on that because, well, it was kind of, exactly that's why it was dependent on him being whole. Because, but it's more like we've tested out the transporter and fixed you, and now we can bring everybody up. <laughs> well, so he was he was essentially the only sort of test subject for them. Yeah, so, so it's not really him. It's like. Any, his body know, it's his yeah. body as opposed to like jim kirk as a Captain. complete whole individual yeah. is the only one who can save sulu and the team as opposed to kirk divided like yeah that was an opportunity missed there and i was also curious to understand if because like the transporter still needed a week to be fixed the workaround was split Some wires then back <laughs> well no right wasn't it that they are split you send them back and then send them forward again so like do you get the crew up (laughs) yeah did you have to do this three-step process for everybody Uh, i don't know yeah it wasn't really clear how like fixing the transporter to fix kirk also then solved the problem of getting yeah so then in that sense maybe benefit of the doubt kirk's whole presence was helpful in determining how best to get the others off the planet maybe i don't know but yeah there was other things that maybe could have been done and like as we do more and more episodes, part of me, like as content as I am as a consumer of this content to have my opinions and opine upon what the plot is, like I do recognize you're not going to please everybody. Like like not to sort of brush that over some of the actual problems with the stories we've seen so far, but just sort of like generally everyone thinks they could do better. And, you know, like I recognize we're kind of in that position too. And like when we were talking about doing a show like this, that's something we've talked about quite a few times where you don't want to like sort of crap on someone's creative baby and you don't want to, you know, like diminish or demean something people have spent a lot of time and energy and effort and resources into creating. And I don't ever mean for anything we're saying to come across as that. But again, as like a critical audience that holds you know, our content creators and these intelligent people who have these amazing ideas to a certain standard. I think just more and more when I say something like I wish it were different, it's just it's not so much that I don't sort of like admire the creative skill. It's just like it could be better because it has been created by someone who has more potential, essentially. Right. Yeah. Like I think I think what it is, is, you know, people who make TV shows or movies or film or whatever, like they have opportunities that the majority of majority of us simply don't. And with that comes, I think, some onus or some responsibility to put thought (laughs) into what you're producing and not just mindlessly um, regurgitating the status quo when it comes to things like you know, diversity and representation and racism and sexism and patriarchy and rape culture, like you, you know, you have this medium to, to examine 
mm-hmm. the the society that we live in because like what is film and television if not ultimately looking back at ourselves um mm-hmm. and so do that do it then examine yeah. it like or just don't even touch it don't touch it with a 10-foot pole <laughs> keep, keep it light just use you know other species as stand-ins for weird yeah. things you want to examine so that it doesn't feel so close to reality and yeah. you know isn't as open to maybe the same kind of criticism I don't bunnies know. you just we just do lots of shots of shows about bunnies bunny shows mm. Bunny, 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 bunny. alien bunnies alien bunnies sounds great i love it yeah yeah okay yeah on a scale right. of one to five um unicorn dogs mm-hmm. uh what would you rate this part of me wants to make it relative to previous ratings but i think i'm gonna have to start rating them as you know isolated in a vacuum standalone episode yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i think this is probably like maybe a two mm-hmm. out of five unicorn dogs and not even two happy unicorn dogs no, ferocious unicorn it's dogs ferocious unicorn dogs mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was definitely thinking maybe just one and mm-hmm. it's the unicorn dog that actually makes it one <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think one of them is for the unicorn dog and one yeah. of them is for the potential of a good versus evil yeah all the best yeah, like it's not, at least for me, like I don't think I've seen it enough to be like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Like it is a really interesting, mm-hmm. I don't want to say trope, but you know what I mean, topic. It's an interesting topic to explore, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, Because yeah, like that, you know, we still, we still think a lot about how we think and, you know, what, what, how do our brains work, impulse yeah. control and, and how do we interact with people and, and respecting other people and blah, blah, blah. So like, yeah, it's a super interesting topic. It just wasn't handled very well. And I think I'm just like over it. So one yeah. unicorn dog for this. Yeah, it just fell super flat, but totally. I was intrigued by the possibility of the concept, I think. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's this episode that I yeah. actually have already forgotten the name of as well. Something within, what was it? The evil the, within. The enemy within. The enemy within. Oh, that makes it worse. Yeah. Why is it your enemy? Yeah. It should just be the other within. Yeah, I don't the know. other within. Yeah. Anyhow, what well, a what a blah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> End to such a blah, blah TV episode. Yeah. But that's where we are. And I think that's it from us. Yeah. Yeah. And please subscribe or rate or whatever it is. Whatever it is people do with podcasts, post listening to them <laughs> on whatever platforms you acquire these episodes via. And yeah, we'd love to, I guess, hear from you if there's any feedback. And we will be doing the next episode next time. And this is based on the chronology as it is on Netflix. So if you choose to watch it to keep along with what we're saying, go for it. If you prefer to take our versions as canon, as we've said before. You should. That's <laughs> also encouraged. Yep. Uh, actually, that's not discouraged. <laughs> We might not actively encourage it, but we're not going to tell you no either. Yeah, yeah. It, you know what? Free, free will. Do, do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, that's that's it from us. What a yep. what a confusing ending. <laughs> <laughs> we need to nail this down. We need to figure out how to do this properly. Yeah. Yeah.
Oh, but wow. uh, until the next time we fumble this, that's it yep. for me. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.